Welcome to another episode of The Lanyard, the podcast that goes deep with change makers, business leaders, and community builders. Here's your host, Ben Hanton. Well, I've got an artist in studio today. We're going to talk about urban planning and about art. Zach, thanks for making the trip down. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is so neat. I've never seen a live like little mix board and little buttons. This is like a full production. I Does did. Everyone say that at the beginning of every podcast. Quite a few people wow. have. Yeah, and I had when I started off My this research. podcast, I had like a oh, I had a basic recorder, and then when I got to this board, it just saved a ton of time for me because like I can kind post. of yeah, right. I mean, I still do a little bit of post processing, but I can now. You know, do those intros, outros live, and also it's it it does better sound quality than my recorder did. I used to get these weird, mysterious humming noises, and now those are all gone. I used to have to like put my cell phone and laptop in another room because it would cause interference, feedback, and stuff. Yeah, so this is good. This is okay. Yeah. I, I'm like I, I'm like more in more and more interested in like audio and video stuff now that I, and like it's some of the stuff that I'm doing more now like needs to be documented in, in some kind of way, which I'm terrible at doing. Artists are terrible at documenting their own work. <laughs> well, um, one thing that you did recently had high-quality video production, and I don't know if viral is the right I word, but it kind of went Sioux Falls viral, <laughs> right? Sioux Falls viral. Uh, um, tell us what that is. Yeah, so I, I did a I did a video um, about a, a street in uh, in Sioux Falls in my neighborhood. It's a It's a kind of short uh, little road that connects two kind of major roads, Minnesota Avenue and Cliff Avenue. So most people probably know those two streets. Um, and it separates downtown from the All Saints neighborhood. And so, uh, so I like lived, Lion Park, is that yeah, on the other Lion side Park, of 14th Street? And yeah, then by the El Ride Shrine yes. like right, is right there. So that, that street is, is wide and uh, is very busy and traffic speeds. And it's a very pedestrian heavy area. Obviously, like it's downtown, it's that neighborhood, it's it's a you know thoroughfare, it's it's everything. So for years, people have complained about it and and uh, uh, kind of lamented uh, the the uh, the design of that street, or rather, at least the speeding cars, the way they feel unsafe. You know, and I've been at meetings where we've voiced concern, or we've had community meetings, or emailed. You know, we've tried all the you know correct paths and. Ways to make those things happen. And, you know, the reality is in, in city government, you have to make enough noise or talk to enough people to make certain projects happen because they can't do all the projects. I get that. Right. Right. You know, they, if plus, I mean, what's the priority? Is it is it cars or is it pedestrians? Probably the design has been car friendly. Right. So you're coming in and saying, yeah, do the, something's got to change. Yeah. And they're going to say, well, what about the economic impact of that? And. Um, you're going to slow down traffic and businesses are going to go to heck because of it. Yeah, yeah. You get a lot of like the world might end if we make this kind of change thing happen. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, we tried and tried and tried and there just wasn't anything that ever was going to change. And so because I um, have a little bit of a background in this and, and very kind of passionate and also invested uh, because, you know, I live in that neighborhood. I work downtown a lot and, uh, you know, people I care about. Do the same. I made a, a video that outlines the current problems with 14th Street, uh, how we could fix it tomorrow, uh, meaning a kind of short-term solution, uh, one that could be done with just paint, and then a long-term solution that would kind of dramatically redesign the street to resemble 
26th Street, uh, which uh, runs alongside McKinnon Park. Again, you know. Yeah, one of the major east-west routes in that yeah, town. Thank you. 26. Yeah, so so you know they're both they both have very they almost have identical traffic counts. They you know span the same length of of road. They you know all those things. But despite those those similarities, one is built uh, as a four lane, you know, two east-west lanes, and then sometimes a center turn or a left turn lane, uh, and then the other one is just three lanes. It's just north south, and then a center turn lane. Uh, turn lane the whole length. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, it can be left, right. And so my, my proposal was to redesign 14th street to be that. And, and once upon a time, that's what it would have looked like, or even thinner than that. You know, it, it was, you know, a very early street in Sioux Falls and it would have resembled something closer to 26th street. But over time, urban design practices and traffic design practices started to favor wider, 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 wider. Now, uh, in contemporary times, we're learning that wider, wider, wider means, more dangerous, more dangerous, and often... Uh, Counterintuitive, right? Because right. wider should be safer in our minds. Right. And that's you know usually why people speed and why uh, those accidents kind of happen because you know, they're wide. People think, oh, I can see I'm everything. I'm good. <laughs> you know, I can probably crank my car up a few more miles per hour. And, you know, it's at that once you get over 30 miles an hour, that's when you start to get into really dangerous territory. Uh, so the video uh, I, I made with a, a friend, Isaac Show, who does all sorts of amazing work. He uh, works with... Uh, uh, he's doing projects right now at South Dakota State Tourism. And so, you know, he does drone stuff. He does everything. So, I mean, it's it's amazing to have a drone guy. So you made a video to, to make this point about how 14th Street can change, but instead of doing it on your cell phone or through some sort of low-quality work, you, you worked with somebody who could bring out all the toys. Right. Yeah. So yeah, l- luckily so Isaac is a is a friend of mine and I've I've known him for years and watched him like become like this amazing expert in all these things and so I had originally reached out to him just to kind of ask like what if I were to like hire somebody to do this, film this, what would it cost? You know, it's just asking a friend like what's my budget. And then he just kind of eventually we started talking, he kind of brought me in and it's just like let's just do it. And so we Started working on it, uh, and then another friend, Chris Beaver, uh, did the animation work. It was really kind of a collaborative effort between you know, two artist friends uh, of mine that were able to do those things that I couldn't. I'm I'm bad at at like asking for help yeah. or like getting other people to do projects like in that sort of way. And so this was a, a really fun experience and one I want to keep doing. But it kind of symbolizes a lot of things that you've done, which is that it, rather than asking for permission, you just go out and do it. You say, this is a problem and here's my solution and I'm dumping this on the internet and deal with it world. And people did. And in different ways, people have responded. You got invited by the city council to come make a presentation or at least Teresa stay here. So, yeah, I'm doing <laughs> that's. I think that's coming up. I should probably write down that date. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I have to like weirdly present it in front of or our city council at an informational um, I'm sure most of the counselors have probably seen the video by now. Tomorrow, I have a meeting with the the, the mayor's chief of staff, uh, and you know, it, I got an email about it in regards to this. Felt a little bit like being called to the principal's office, but it'll be okay. When we look at a town like Yankton, where we're in now, you know, I think the idea of streets—they are owned by governments, and governments control what they look like by policies that are in thick manuals and. You came to this town a couple of years ago, and yeah. I saw you with paint just on the side. You were just like painting the sidewalks into or the crosswalks into piano keys. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. you just do things. What's the worst that's going to happen? Is that the idea? Uh, you know, I mean, I get permission. I got permission okay. for all, all right. these things. Um, you know, it's just uh, that was such a fun project with Design South Dakota. 
Um, that was 2016, maybe. I get permission for a lot of these projects, and I think I sell it somewhat on you know the the impermanence of it. That these are pilot projects; these are tests. Can yeah. we try this? Luckily, you know the the fine folks of Yankton were very susceptible to that. Well, now we have a sort of a pedestrian area down by our Meridian Bridge, which has become this huge recreational area. There's a splash pad, and that second street that goes by there. It's pretty fast traffic. Yeah, there, this is the this is the semi that kind of yeah, it's route, it's kind of right? like a bypass, and so this. semis would it's definitely rough. get rocking through there. And then you have a splash pad just feet away from it. So they've come up with some design things to tame traffic there too. Some of the same things that you're thinking about. So they've raised that intersection. They've colored it differently. Okay, they've done some different paintings. There's some arrows that almost make it looks like those old. Nintendo games is like you're going to power up with a yeah, turbo. So fast. to me, I almost view that the, the opposite. opposite. But in general, it has slowed traffic considerably down there. And then they do these big curb bump outs that people yeah. initially hate because you try to take the turn that you've been taking for now 10 to, years. And now all of a sudden you're, you've got wheels up on the curb. I have to pay attention when I'm driving now. Yes. What's the deal? <laughs> exactly. A lot of people have been anticipating driver, you know, self-driving cars for a long time because we've almost been self-driving on some of these roads. True. Called, right. But I, they've implemented some of that. But the one street that we have gone maybe in the opposite direction is what we call 4th Street or Highway 50. Right. Coming into they, town here from like Vermilion, right? Yeah, they yeah. redid border, that a the couple. The border of uh, downtown. Yeah. That's they, your own trench. They Exactly. They redid that a couple of years ago. And, you know, Sarah Manis, an architect in town, was really pushing for a lot of the kind of things that you would suggest to say, hey, a lot of people have to go to the Dakota Theater or the courthouse or the police station, and they have to cross a giant highway on foot rough that doesn't even have a stoplight it's a stop sign right we've just decided people can drive through our the heart of our town at 35 40 miles an hour yeah no i i remember so when i came here for design south dakota i mean that was one of that was really when i was starting to get really deeply into kind of this sort of work and so I remember when the first the first night i got here i walked every single block of downtown and then also kind of like the surrounding periphery and i mean like every street and every block uh, just because I wanted to really like get it, but yeah, those are the two bit. You know, the is it so it's fourth and yeah. and what what's the one coming over the bridge there? Broadway. Broadway. Yeah, we call that Broadway. Which so Highway eighty one and Highway fifty basically intersect there. Yeah. yeah, and both of those. Yeah, they're they're grossly overbuilt. They're wider than they need to be, and they are something that probably inhibits your downtown from growing. You know, oh, just, yeah. Just like, I mean, think about it like a body. You're just blocking off arteries. You're blocking off like veins of people coming over, and and you know. People like to think that, well, I'm not going to walk there. But Well, so the state of South Dakota has not always been such a big help in this either. So I live on 3rd Street. My business is on 3rd Street. We're recording this on 3rd Street. Mm -hmm. uh, my old house is also on 3rd Street. So Street guy. I've spent my whole time in Yankton walking 3rd Street or driving. And now, let me tell you, as somebody pushes strollers and things across that, you go across a highway from that bridge where there's people coming from Nebraska that are still maybe going... 50, 55 miles an hour coasting into town because there's not a stoplight for yeah. about four blocks until you're into town. Uh, it's really rough, and there's some blind intersections, and, of course, there's actually been deaths from it. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. I, I, that, I mean, I'm not surprised. You shouldn't have a separated boulevard. I mean, Tell I me about that because, I mean, you kind of feel like, oh, at least I get a safe spot spot in right. the middle to hide for two seconds, exactly. catch my breath. So but really, it's like I got to run there. Yeah. So yeah, I have this weird, you know, like 
Boulevards like that make sense sometimes, but I always think they're like the biggest waste. Imagine if those trees in that boulevard was on the downtown side instead. Oh, right. Instead of it being in the middle. Yeah. Imagine if it now was you got there, like a little park and instead, into your downtown. Yeah, well, and so exactly. And you have this huge separation between the people walking by that kind of row of trees like you would in a neighborhood. But also that would force the cars coming in and the cars going out to see that, oh, we're closer together. I need to slow down. Yeah. You need to put that pressure on cars. You, I mean, it's again, you said like uh, uh, counterintuitive, but you need to make cars feel a little less safe because right now they just feel like, you know, I can just blast through this. No problem. Yeah. Because look, I have my, you know, I've got a wall of trees over here. There's nothing to see. And then I've got, you know, just a, another giant wide lane over here with the parking <laughs> light, you know. Even from the cops, too. Like, you'd feel like cops going to see me. He's going to be on the other side of the boulevard. By the time he has to navigate his car to turn around and slow me down, like, I'll be three blocks up the street. He's not going to pull me over. Like, it kind of yeah. separating roads. I don't know if you've ever driven on I-80 in Nebraska in the western part of the state, but... You're so far separated from the other lanes on that interstate that that's where you're like, I think I could go 95 or 100 and no yeah. cop could ever see me. Yeah. And you no, kind of create some of that in, in town too. Yeah. No. And so like that, I mean, you know, I, I would like show up and roll into Yankton and be like, well, here's all the problems. Yeah, the right. Streets. Like go back to Sioux Falls, you artist. <laughs> but, you know, coming in, you know, uh, out by uh, Menards and Walmart, you know, it, it's so wide. It's so wide out there. You look... Like the space between building front to building front is crazy. The separation between those things, you just got to think like you're paying for all that extra space. And that's all land that's not being used for productivity. You know, it's not, you're not getting sales tax on it. You're not getting property tax on it. So nobody benefits from it. But you have to keep also maintaining it. And you're not going to attract the bicycling groups and other recreational people to your town because... Yeah, I mean, but it's the not ni- pedestrian friendly. The nice thing is, but because you've now overbuilt, you now have the ability to add very plentiful biking facilities if you want, and uh, even greater walking facilities. And so I always like up. to think yeah, about right. that. Go like, okay, we've you know, we've got a lot of extra space here, a lot of empty parking lots. Just think of it as, ooh, very easy to build more here now if we want to. If we make that choice instead of continuing to kind of build out, 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 out. One thing in Sioux Falls that. You know, everybody talks about, I lived in Sioux Falls in about two, the year 2000, and that downtown was not that cool. It was fine. 2000, It was not yeah. that cool. And now it's very cool. There's a lot of it people. Was, it hanging. was only kind of almost cool in 2000. Yeah, there were. It like, had the visual trappings of cool, but there wasn't actually that much cool stuff. Huh? Yeah. One of the guys from the Sioux Falls Storm had a had a taco place that was really cool. And there were a couple pockets of places. The yeah. Sioux Falls Brewing Company was going. But other than that, you know, those places where you'd have to walk blocks between them to find yeah. the next cool thing. Anyway, now that one of the things that's just so easy to see is when you drive downtown, there are pedestrians everywhere, or not pedestrians, even diners and drinkers and people enjoying art and all of these things are out on the sidewalks. We don't have the opportunity to do that with our sidewalks in this town, except on a few bump outs. And that's because our sidewalks are small. <laughs> and we've built a, this really big diagonal parking situation, mm-hmm. even though we've got city parking lots about every block in this town. What did Sioux Falls do right? What are we doing wrong in that regard with economic development? Phillips <laughs> Avenue, they redid that. I mean, 1999, I think, is actually when they redid it to be angled parking and kind of built out those kind of wider 
wider bump outs. You know, they narrowed their their traffic lanes. You guys have more room to spare. You know, you could go to, I think Phillips Avenue is actually like nine and a half feet wide lanes for stretch. And people go, oh, it's so tight. Or sometimes there are pickup trucks that are that are edging out in the edge. It's like, so? It's okay. Yeah. You're not going to hit it. You see it. You're going 15 miles an hour now instead of. 20 or 25 or 30 today i could have i could have blasted through third pretty going pretty oh fast. we definitely have people doing some drag racing here on on so i, I would say you've got more room to to spare and i would i would also suggest like you said you guys do have ample parking um just about everywhere is get rid of some of those angle parking spots and and create more outdoor seating uh, they did that on main avenue and you can do it uh, as a road diet. That's that's what happened in Sioux Falls. They took Main Avenue and and created temporary bump outs using paint and and bollards and uh, some restaurants even built out a raised little platform uh, and you know created fencing. You know, I did a, a, a even more low key version of that when I was here with Design South Dakota. We did little pop out cafes. Oh, that's right. You did one in front of O'Malley's or something. O'Malley's like that, and yeah. then uh, the church across the street we made too. Yeah. So we used hay bales uh, as just kind of our border and some like trees. Uh, and then, you know, we had picnic tables and tables and chairs out there. So we just created a temporary space and, you know, obviously you've you've got angle parking to spare. Yeah, yeah, we do. And yeah, New York City has done this and lots of other communities that haven't suffered economically have done it. No, so, I mean, listen. But we look at it kind of like, dude, if somebody can't pull up right in front of my business, it's over. It's right. over for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, but if just, I would encourage people to Google it. Downtown parking, yeah, it's been, a, a, it's always been a kerfuffle. I mean, I know like, you know, downtown when anyone talks about like raising parking fees or, or, you know, people often go, oh, downtown parking should be free. But in Sioux Falls, it needs to be paid. You need to have paid parking in front of the spots because they're premium spots. Well, not to mention it pushes people into the to the ramps, which are everywhere in that town too, right? I mean, if I want to drive around and look for a premium spot and it's going to be free, I might do that <laughs> for a long time. But mm-hmm. if I know that it's basically the same price or cheaper to just jump into a ramp and I'm out on the street in two seconds, why wouldn't I do that? What the big benefit is for those retailers is when, when those spots are paid for, it puts a demand on on turnover. Yeah. And so if that parking meter is priced correctly, you should have one or two empty spots on a block and it should be constantly shifting every 20 minutes or so because people go into a store, they buy their thing and then they go, which then leads an open spot. So people who want that spot right in front of their store can have it. Well, not to mention that several thousand people live downtown now and there are probably lawyers that show up at work at 7 a.m., they could just park in those spots all day long. And that's that's another big thing is that, yeah, you'll absolutely get people camping. There's almost – we're closing on 3,000 people who live downtown. Yeah. And so uh, add that into store owners and employees that if they all took those spots, which frankly I know is a problem in Yankton, is that I know a lot of the For store sure owners yeah. park directly in front of their store and then go, what if I don't apart? I was like, you're taking up the spots. Yeah, I was a young man in business in this town. I was probably 23 when I was approached by the financial advisor and the jewelry store owner to say, hey, that parking lot behind your place, could you start using it? And, you know, it took me just somebody saying, oh, hey, we'd like our parking. I realized it and it makes sense. Yeah. Are you the person I'm trying to remember that came up with a crazy idea that you should be backing into parking spots 
Yeah, so I did a I did a project that must it was probably 2016 I think on a street down in downtown a section of Main Avenue where we did back in angled parking or head out angled parking which is what I wish I would have called it I'll talk about that but uh, yeah so it was a uh, it was a a dangerous kind of stretch of road it was kind of on the edge of our downtown in a part called uptown and there wasn't a lot of development there or or, or uh, attention being paid but eventually you know there would be. Uh, but in the meantime, it was kind of this it transitioned, it blurred into a neighborhood, right? So at the end, edge of that neighborhood. And so north, southbound lane, center turn lane, and then parallel parking on both sides. So pretty wide for a very low county street. And so I worked with, I had to get all the property owners along the, it was like a four block stretch to sign off on a redesign, got their signatures, worked with the city, got it approved by city council. And so it was a, we changed it into parallel parking, southbound, northbound, bike lane and then yes back in angle parking so imagine you know you're driving and you normally turn your wheel right and park in but instead it the lines are going the opposite way so you pull ahead and then you back up into it and uh, so kind of like half of parallel parking and that was done from a safety standpoint yeah yeah so tell me was, how that works it was, how's it was, that more safe it was designed one it was designed so we could include that bike lane okay um because if you would if we had the Lines going the other way, uh, it leads to kind of accidents. Somebody's on your right, and you pull in, and yep. you didn't see them. And you knock them, you hit them. And so uh, or you're backing out. The bike lane was one of the reasons. But just in general, back in angled and, or head out parking is just safer because you can see. Um, you also have to think here, if you're buying things at a store or if you're unloading your kids out of your car, they're unloading on the sidewalk side now. They're not on the street side. Um, you know, if you're having to haul in a couch or something, yeah. you're now just on the sidewalk. But then, yes, when you're backing up uh, or when you're heading out to to leave, you can you know easily look left, right, and, and see. And so this hadn't been done in Sioux Falls except where they had like three weird random spots like at a school where they had done it. I actually had to paint the lines myself too. And so that was... <laughs> did you have to buy the paint? I, I did. So I, you know, because this was a project I was kind of pushing forward because I, you know, I was interested in the subject and I saw this as like a you know, a perfect example or place to do this. When I got it approved by city council, the city said, we have money to restripe the road, but we don't have money to restripe the angled parking because that's, those are two different funds. It's like two different contracts, different people. Yep. You know, you think all the white paint comes from one place. It doesn't. And so I go, well, I, I go, what if I painted it? I go, I'd be happy to paint it myself. I knew that was the thing that, you know, some groups had done in other cities, some of the groups that I'm really, uh, you know, into like better block organization. And they said, okay. <laughs> And so you know, I still go like, well, okay, that's great. Um, so I went and bought some cardboard, made a 16-foot stencil, and bought like $200 worth of street marking spray paint. Yeah, and then I started one morning and then worked until like 2 a.m. And I painted about like 60-plus angled parking lines by myself. And how did it work? Uh, it worked great. I mean, you know, like I, I, other than, you know, I won – there was constantly cars parked there whenever we drove by, which is great. Just the fact that cars were parking there that weren't there before meant that they were needed, those spots. It also meant that because those cars were there, traffic was slower because the road seemed you know, thinner. Yes. And people went, oh, angled park, I have to slow down. There might be someone coming out. They might be backing out. I have to be more aware. Yeah. I mean, people used the bike lane. Uh, there were no accidents. It, it was great. After two years, city removed it and then... Did a slight redesign, but then kept the bike lane. So we have parallel parking back on that side, and now we have the bike lane. So, you know, small victories. But it was a great yeah. kind of pilot. Um, and now there's actually since been development at the first of, of the four blocks, and now they're adding traditional angled parking lines and more, you know, that kind of traditional downtown developments coming that way in that street design. So it's all good. 
So you have worked with the city on a couple of these projects, and you seem to be passionate about ways to develop your city or your downtown. And then you decided, I'm going to go the official route. I'm going to try to run for city council. Right. So what were you hoping to accomplish on the city council? Uh, I was hoping to kind of get some kind of more uh, uh, systematic kind of changes yeah. made. You know, I can work on these individual projects and, and, you know, that's a little bit like uh, acupuncture. But what I wanted to do was to make uh, a kind of wider sweeping changes, at least uh, in one aspect in the design. So if we're just talking about one of my things I was interested in was, you know, updating engineering design standards. So that sounds really boring, but it's, you know, how we build our city and how we design the new parts of our city. And so I wanted to see things like establishing a 10 foot wide uh, lane maximum Right now, it's like 12 feet, 11 to 12 feet. Uh, and that seems like, I mean, it is. That's a small change, right? It's literally one foot. <laughs> uh, but that one foot adds up, um, both economically. You have to pay for it and maintain those streets every single year. And every one of those feet pushes your population further and further away from the center, which means resources get harder to maintain, firefighters, you know, police, et cetera, further, further out. Also, yes, yeah, so it leads to higher speeds, more dangerous you know, accidents, more deadly accidents, all these things, yeah. right? And, you know, and if we want to talk about the environment as well, more runoff, more pollution, etc. It, it goes on and on and on. It kind of ripples. For me, little things like, you know, being a counselor and then being able to, yeah, go, you know, work with those uh, departments and go, hey, can we do this? Because I can do it as a citizen. I've tried and I am, but it's it's harder and you have to be louder and you have to get hundreds of people saying the same thing you're yeah. saying for, for anyone to really... And you have basically no funding behind you to do it. Right, exactly. You're just doing it on your time and hoping that you've built up goodwill with video people who can help you and exactly. animators who can help you. Exactly. And so I wanted to see kind of more systemic things that, to me, minor and, and things that were uh, backed by data and backed by studies and things that I'd seen from across the United States or even across the world that, you know, for me, I felt like Sioux Falls has this you know, advantage of being small and, you know, still having those kind of small town attitudes because we are just now blossoming into a city city yeah. because one that we are that still that small size that we're still malleable, that we can still affect change and make kind of big sweeping things like that happen. You know, also that we have the advantage of, you know, it's 2019 and I, can, I have access to videos and studies and data at the, you know, I can look it up on my phone and prove things with, with you know, 100% accuracy. This is how something works. I like to believe that because we're in the middle of nowhere, that that doesn't matter as much as it used to anymore. And so we can still do, you know, I hate to use the the dirty word progressive, but I mean it in that sense of moving forward and being cutting edge and not even cutting edge, just being with the times yeah. instead of letting the, those, those new things, culture, et cetera, you know, hitch a ride on the Oregon trail and wait, you know, a decade for them to get to us. I think, you know, we're able to leapfrog that idea now. I, you know, I've, I've been proven wrong so far, but I, I believe that we can. Well, let's take a little break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about urban planning, but we'll also talk about some of the creative art projects. Art you've stuff. Been. Let's do that. We'll be back with Zach DeBoer. The presenting sponsor of The Lanyard is Ben's Brewing Company. We are a brewery, taproom, and speakeasy located in Yankton, South Dakota. Our beers are on tap in several South Dakota cities. Visit us online at bensbrewing.com. Good people drink Ben's beer. 
Hey, Lanyard listeners, it's Brennan and Mandy from Boston Shoes to Boots. Do me a favor and think of something you will not buy generic. For instance, I will not buy generic toilet paper. First of all, ouch. Second of all, they don't tear at the seams. Brennan, what's your example? I will not buy generic mac and cheese. It's not as creamy. They say it is the same, but it's not. Same goes for shoes. Now, we all know how easy it is to buy shoes or boots from big box stores, big online sellers, or a boutique. But are you really getting the quality and customer service that your feet deserve? A proper fit and quality made shoe can go for miles for your feet and your overall health. Wearing shoes too small or large can have long-term consequences. And those shoes that are cute but make your feet hurt all night? Not worth it especially when you're covering up the blisters the next day. Our staff at Boston Shoes to Boots is trained to measure your foot length, arch, and width. Do yourself a favor and invest in your feet by getting properly fitted into a quality pair of shoes. We don't carry cheap because we care. That's right. Quality only hurts once. And trust me, we've seen plenty of scary toes that have been crammed in bad footwear for too long. Many times the effects are not reversible. So invest in your feet, take care of yourself, and go on your next adventure with a great pair of shoes from Boston Shoes to Boots, your footwear experts since 1915. Stop by and see us in the Meridian District in downtown Yankton or see us online at bostonshoestoboots.com. All right, we are back with Zach DeBoer. We spent the first half talking mostly about how to make downtown more walkable, safer. But you scared all your viewers away. Yeah. <laughs> and the I civil engineers are shaking their fists. <sighs> but I wanted to talk about some of the art that you've been involved with. So you had a studio called Exposure Gallery and Studio. Tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, after after college, I was a middle school art teacher, and I taught for two years. You had a teaching certificate? Yes. Nice. I just ran out. Um, but uh, So I, I went to school at USD and got my art ed degree and uh, taught in Sioux Falls. Uh, middle school art for a couple of years. Um, I left teaching. I just wanted to try something else. Yeah. You know, I kind of got – I wasn't passionate, I, I guess, about like the what, what, what I was doing. And so Did the I, kids well, ruin it for you? No, you know, actually it was, you know, it was the parents and the – administration but you know the kids i like i like being a teacher i don't like i like the teaching part and in the classroom part but i think you'll ask any teacher and it's yeah it's the same thing and i i saw other opportunities and i was like you know i can always go back to teaching i have that degree i have yeah that i want to try something else and so uh, i love teaching i started working at dtsf downtown sioux falls uh, as their admin person and then i i started working uh, running kind of first Friday events and and uh, et cetera. Uh, at that same time, first Friday being like food trucks and specials for some of your uh, retailers. It'd and... be things like uh, art and wine walks, okay. uh, you know, loft tours, burger battles. Did a fashion show one time. <laughs> you know, so it, it's a lot. It was a lot of different stuff, and so you know, every every month we'd have something different. But uh, at that same time, I opened an art gallery art gallery and studio space. So focus kind of on young and emerging artists with more of a contemporary eye for work. And uh, it was kind of filling a a, a gap. You know, there was plenty of places to show art in Sioux Falls, but it was a lot of and galleries. So it was a coffee shop and gallery, a frame shop and gallery. And so, um, you know, there was some great places that weren't that, but, uh, or like the pavilion, but, you know, it's like a two-year wait, even if you get your proposal acceptance. So there wasn't really that that sort of uh, continual spot where people just out of college or in college or the beginning of their career or you know wherever uh, could 
show. And so I opened that space in 2014 and closed it just in 2018. So um, the month my daughter was born and that was one of the reasons. So six months prior, I was like, I need to start trimming responsibilities uh, been here. there. And, and also, I guess, you know, by that time, the art scene had continued to grow and grow and grow. Uh, and so pretty soon, like our, our shows, the numbers started to go down because there was five other shows happening yeah. at the same time. And I was like, well, the need isn't there as much anymore. And I wasn't as passionate about it anymore. I was more interested in the stuff that I did through exposure, like the public murals or some of the advocacy stuff we've done or some of the special events we did outside of the gallery, then that sort of regular, you know, every month we did a new show. So I started to kind of just get burned out on that. So yeah. I, I, I closed the gallery in 2018. And yeah, there's been several businesses that I think have picked up that that flag and ran with it and grown into even cooler stuff than I was. Yeah. Thinking. So some of those other projects that you've, you've talked about. So we did a mural on the side of my building. Yeah, Chuck. Yeah, Chuck Bennis. And then several... There's a Meridian District mural project in town now where they kick a few hundred dollars to people who are trying to do their first murals. I was at the be- I was at the impetus of that project. Like, yeah, I, many many iterations ago, like that. That was out of Design South Dakota. I yeah, think that, right. that, that really kind of spurred. And so I, I took a, several more trips to Yankton for some of those like meetings before it became like a okay, this is evolving into something else, and I don't really yeah. need to be here anymore. It's yeah, right. Like outsider, so I I, I pieced out. But you just finished a big mural project up in Sioux Falls yourself. Yeah. Tell me about that. I did. Uh, so some business owners, they're a building owner, a group, and there's like three building owners. It's confusing. They had a one-level parking ramp wall that had become recently exposed because another building was torn down and there was just an empty parking lot there. Uh, and they wanted to kind of beautify it and, and enhance it. And so they had reached out to some folks, including me, about, you know, how do we go about doing this? So a small group, we worked together to help write a call for art, you know, kind of pitched them on what the concept should be. It was a very long wall. So we had five different artists come out. You know, I, we put the call out, I think, at the very beginning of October, and they had to be done at the end of October. So it was Ooh. very like, okay, we find out if you're in, and then you're in, and then we go. And and that some of that speediness was was me kind of pushing it along, going, we can do this, because I, I wanted to. It, sometimes if you wait too long, things don't happen. That's right. So Yeah, so I, I was one of the artists, submitted a uh, concept, and so I did a, uh, you know, a greetings from Sioux Falls, you know, the classic kind of postcard thing. We didn't have one. You know, every every great city should have one of yeah. those, right? So I did one. Chuck Bennis, who who did the uh, Yankton mural up on your space there, he did one as well. Cat Evans, who's another person who's done the Yankton mural. Robbie Gelsma and uh, Evan Richards. Man, I was worried I wasn't going to get all their names. Evan Richards from Fernson. Yes, yeah. Evan Richards, where uh, is uh, one of the designers or somebody's from uh, Fernson does a lot of their kind of graphic branding so, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, all five of us did probably about twenty five feet. Uh, long of of the mural and uh, yeah I did a time lapse video of, of my process I I'd done a mural in Falkton and it was the first time I'd really done that I'm trying to get better like I said I'm trying to get better documenting my work because yeah. then I learned oh this is how you get hired to do more work that's right right I get it because I just, I just want to do the project and it's nice and the uh, people enjoy it and then I can go home and be quiet and you know as much as like the work that I do is like very public like I don't want to being <laughs> want to do it you know what i mean you don't want to monitor social media all day about oh, it that was the worst part of running for city council was was having to do regular posts or having to try to engage i did you know like you can hire videos. for that oh, what what with what money <laughs> we were running a grassroots campaign you know we kept expenses low my cost per voter percentage was 
very impressive. One of the things that's probably <laughs> challenging about being an artist, especially one who's been such an advocate for community, is that people ever pay you what you're worth. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously it could be better. It's hard to be an artist working in South Dakota. I mean, and and obviously you can look at like what my resume is and it was probably not what people would think it means to be an artist. I mean, forget trying to be just like someone who, you know, makes paintings and sells them like that's very, very rare. Um, and so you have to do a lot of different things in order to make a living. And, and yeah, I would say I'm, I'm still working to like earn, I think earn what I'm worth. And as a South Dakotan, it's very hard to say earn what I'm worth. It's hard, right. it's hard to demand like fair pay, but also stay humble. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about the Sioux Falls flag, the Brandon flag. Flags. Do great cities have flags? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Great cities have flags. So it, it, I, I became like way into flags. Um, and now it's like this weird, like nerdy niche thing that I'm into. It's flag design. Now, the Sioux Falls flag, was that a project kind of headed up by Hugh Weber? And I think that came from Roman Mars's podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hugh definitely kicked kicked off that, pro, uh, that, that project and kind of like spearheaded it. And so Roman, yeah, Roman Mars, who's a, a, a podcaster who hosts 99%, 99% Invisible, which is you know a, a fantastic podcast, uh, came to Sioux Falls and did a, a, a kind of version of one of his famous episodes that he's also done a TED Talk on about flag design, city flag design specifically. A lot of people don't know that cities have flags. Most major cities do. In fact, of the 250 most populous cities in America, as of 2014, when we started, when he came and when we started that project, it was, there was two, you know, there was three cities that didn't. And it was like Hilo, Hawaii, Fargo, and Sioux Falls. Oh, shameful, right? Yes. Um, but actually, in the same way, it kind of pres- positioned us in a nice way because this meant that we didn't have to get rid of an existing flag because chances are it would have been terribly designed because a lot of city flags are really ugly. Side, side note, is the state of South Dakota flag kind of ugly? It's very ugly. To me, bad. it's just a seal. It's, bad. it's not. It's not really representative. I'll, I'll tell you my. See, I will tell you about all these flags, but I'll say my my like, like secret uh, uh, aspiration is to get our state flag changed. Yes, I think that's my like you know that's on that like life goal kind of like list. Yeah. So the Sioux Falls flag, we uh, Hugh uh, was the person who put on that conference, and he kind of gathered together a couple of different people from the Sioux Falls Design Center, from the AIGA South Dakota, uh, and a couple other kind of people in the design field, and organized a design contest. And so open to the public, uh, they got over 90 uh, submissions and then held a vote. Uh, they got over 3,000 votes. That was online, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then they got pretty good coverage off it, too. You know, we we're covered on some different podcasts and articles and obviously like local stuff. Went through that next phase, like with the top six, I think it was. Yeah, the top six votes or top six designs. And then the public voted again. And then also there was a separate panel of experts, including Roman Mars and and uh, Ted Kay, uh, who is the North American Vexillological Association's president. Vexillology is the study of flags. Oh, interesting. It's hard to say. Somebody makes a living doing that. Yeah. Nice. It's a whole society. I'm a member, $25 a year's worth. So the public and that group both chose the same design, which ended up being what the Sioux Falls flag is today. Now, that was in 2014. Who designed uh, that? uh, It was a guy by the name of Max Rabkin, and he heard about it on Reddit. 
uh, on the Vexillology subreddit. And he was actually at the time, I think, living in South Africa, but he's from Germany, I think, or maybe the other way around. I can't remember. So he's never even been to Sioux Falls. And so he heard about the contest, did research, designed a great looking flag, and that was the one that ended up winning. And, you know, then the kind of like campaign to make it official kind of began. And uh, we ran into... Yeah, it's of, one thing to say, we we created something. It's another for the city government to say... To sign on. Yeah. Yeah, especially especially when uh, especially when you maybe have a, an administration or a, a current environment where they're not really open to such things, uh, and so we continue to try to push it and and you know, grow it and and over the course of four years basically, and you know there's maybe three or four or five. I would say there's maybe like six individuals who I, I would say kind of over those years worked at different parts of it to kind of carry that torch forward and do different things. We had people who made merch and we had people who started producing physical flags that people actually hang up and do, you know, we had, uh, you know, I, I was more the, I'm talking to the, the city and the elected officials and those sort of things. And yeah, so it was a group effort. And then in like a week after my daughter was born, uh, we finally got the city to approve it. And uh, now it's official. And since then it's just blown up. It's everywhere. So people are flying actual flags, but it's also implemented in tons of other designs for, yeah. Shirts and merch and things like that. Everything. You know, so, you know, like Great Bear and, and Looks Meat Market and obviously like local places have adopted, but also uh, Metallica. When Metallica came to town, they had a Sioux Falls flag slash Metallica shirt. So it was like an over, like oh, they had cool. two different, so I got one. I didn't go, but I had someone pick one up for me. So it's like weird to have like vaguely influenced like Metallica merchants. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's everywhere. It's very, it's very cool. And why is it important? Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's city pride. I mean, and and that is super important. And I think a lot of pl- people are proud of where they are. And but it's it's a singular unifying image that everyone can kind of like put forward. You know, everyone. You know, think of your favorite sports team. You know, there's people who hang permanent things up on yeah, their house. No, about their favorite sports their team. Colors, I mean? their logos, they mean something to yeah, us. It's pride, you know, and it, and it, it, it unifies people. Um, you know, maybe no matter what your background is, no matter where you're from, but you know. No matter what, you're from Sioux Falls. You know, you're a Sioux Fallsian. It's an image that anyone can kind of adopt and and, and adapt and, um, you know, have it be a part of kind of the fabric of, of what it is to be Sioux Falls. Yeah, and, and I imagine there's no ownership of that at this point, right? I mean, so no. the city says it's official, which just means they recognize it. But if I want to satirize it or do anything, mm-hmm. I can, right? Yep, you can. I mean, you can satirize it, but you can print off on a piece of paper and sell it for a thousand dollars and you get all the profit nothing nobody can stop me nope it's fair use copyrights it's all it's all signed off on and every flag you know a good flag is a place that if people would recognize and or at least go in the future chicago chicago's flag is everywhere and is is uh, synonymous with Chicago. People. What is it? Um, so it's a. Uh, it's not uh, the W, like for the Cubs. Fly the W. <laughs> no. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just it's just the Air Jordan logo. Um, <laughs> so it's a white flag with two horizontal blue stripes, uh, and in the center of those blue stripes is four red stars. They're kind of unique pointed stars, and each one of those four stars stands for a significant moment in Chicago history. Oh. The blue stands for the Chicago River and lake and so it's a very uh it's like a sky blue it's very pretty flag very and again very remixable you can use those icons everywhere next time you go to chicago next time you're in chicago look at any merchandise look at the street sewer covers look at look up in the sky you'll see the flag but you'll see it remixed everywhere interesting yeah sioux falls is a big enough town that it needed its own flag but brandon south dakota is not 
that big. No, although some would argue that it is just Sioux Falls. <laughs> uh, I would argue that. So I'm from Brandon. So I grew up in Brandon. And uh, I, so I'd done a, uh, I, I'd been invited out to Robert Bennis Elementary uh, to do a, a, a week-long residency. And at the time I was really into flags. And so I'd, I would do a project presentation on flags, flag design to, you know, kindergarten all the way through fifth grade or fourth grade there. What I wanted to do and what I did do was, one, I had all the kids end up, they designed their own their own uh, flag of Brandon. After we did research, we talked about, you know, icons that we could use, shapes, colors, etc. And everybody made their own flag. And then we also, I went to their city council. And this was while we were still in that hard campaigning time for the Sioux Falls flag. So it wasn't official yet. And so I, I was like, let's show you Sioux Falls how it's done. Yeah. So I was like, oh, let's show them how easy this is. And so we, I went to their city council, uh, asked them, And they said, yeah, that sounds great. If they'd be interested in adopting whichever one came forth as the kind of winner, I formed a little flag committee using one of their members. The mayor was on on it and and then opened it up to the public. You know, we got coloring sheets like blank flag design sheets at at the Sunshine Grocery Store. And so collected all those things and then, uh, yeah, went through a public vote process and and, uh, then adopted uh, the winning flag. I imagine some people in Brandon are like, yeah, I'm definitely not flying the Sioux Falls flag. Look at this. This is my Brandon flag. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I've noticed, so like that, you know, with the Sioux Falls flag, like that's one where I can be like heavily involved. And I'm just like, it's up to you, Brandon. If you want to do this, if you want to make this yours, like it's up to the people to get, to go for it. But they have one, they fly it outside their uh, city hall, which was really cool to see, you know, as, as it's my hometown. So one of the things I think about with Sioux Falls is I saw a rendering in the Argus Leader the other day, and it was what this new Sioux Steel development mm-hmm. could look like. Yeah. And it looked like something, I don't know, that you might expect in a much, much bigger city. And we all probably know what that Falls Park Sioux Steel area looked like at one point, which was kind of a junkyard industrial area and not friendly to tourists. And now all of a sudden you've got this rendering at least that looks amazing. My concern is I love places like Bread and Circus, you know, Sandwich Kitchen. How does somebody like that fit into that when a development so enormous is right in their backyard? Oh, I mean, they they have nothing to worry about. Yeah. Um, Just a whole bunch of extra customers? Yeah, exactly. All they have to worry about, yeah, is an influx of customers. That development I am excited about, and I always kind of like hold my breath anytime one of these announcements comes because, you know, I'm I'm the guy who goes, here are the problems with it. (laughs) Yeah, right. This is a, you know, look at all this, you know, big parking lots, look at the wide streets, or look, there's no place for this. So that looks pretty nice. It looks pretty solid. It's just adding. It's just adding on to downtown. We had such a giant chunk that wasn't a place that people go that wasn't you know obviously there's some people working there but fewer and fewer and now it can be a place that yeah adds housing yeah. adds jobs it brings more people downtown it adds more shoppers that you know when you go from nothing to something that's always kind of a positive i always what i can't understand is somebody who i've been in business in some form or another in south dakota f- since I was maybe 15 years old, right? I'm 38 now. And I know that in order to start a business, you have to have certain resources for rent or for buying a building, a space. And then you pay your utilities and then you find some staff and you hopefully cash flow. That's been my model. That's been everybody's model in South Dakota. But when I look at developments like that, the money just doesn't make sense to me because I say, well, how does somebody like me with my business of starting a restaurant or a bar fit into that? 
because I feel like I need to sign some crazy five to 10 year lease with you. You're going to do some amazing build out with glass and granite and all these things that I can't afford. So therefore, the only people who can are people who are well connected or with multiple investors. That's kind of looking at it from the maybe the negative side. Yeah. But wondering, like, how does small business still fit into the future of a downtown that's going to start looking like that? Yeah, I I think I think that's like a legitimate concern. For sure. But I think, um, especially when you look at Sioux Falls right now, we just need, we need more of that space. Honestly, this is, this is a way to throwing a stake to the dogs. You know what I mean? Instead of them going after these two story, three story buildings or, or demoing historic small story buildings to build these, you know, kind of yeah, right. megalith structures yeah. that we have. Instead they're going, well, maybe we can build it on this empty land. That's right here. It was wasteland for yeah, a while. Maybe, maybe, Rent stops rising so rapidly on Phillips Avenue, on Main Street, on these areas, because now, oh, there's a little bit more. Right. And I suppose at a certain point, a downtown that keeps progressing like that, maybe if I am that small business, I just find a different neighborhood. And there's a niche for that, too, right? Mm -hmm. To say, I can't afford downtown. For my business, but if you want the best pizza you're ever going to have, yeah, drive a mile away. Well, I mean, that's what happened. <laughs> if you're familiar with downtown, I mean, Phillips Avenue was that, but then Ethan Railroad, that's what Ethan Railroad was. Yeah. You know, like they went there because it was not as expensive. It was and, cheap. And it yeah. went there, you know, and pretty soon it is what it is today. And so, you, you know, it's that slow kind of spread as long as it's when you kind of hop, skip and jump away from everything else that's like it. That's when you maybe run into problems. So we've talked about some of the projects you've been involved in and some of the big campaigns. What's on the horizon? What's the oh wish God. list that's uh, not been brought out yet? <laughs> wish list. I've got a handful of projects coming up right now. Um, you know, I've got some, got a couple of mural projects that I'm excited about that aren't just murals. You know, I would say I, I'm in danger of now becoming the mural guy. Yeah. Which, you know, like I love painting murals and I love doing those things, but that's not necessarily what I want to be. I, I like using art as a tool for yeah. change and, and as a tool to recreate spaces and, and to you know, truly my, my job, my title, I'm an artist, but I work in creative placemaking. And so that can be painting lines on the street to sell cars, but it can also be a greetings from Sioux Falls mural. So I've got some mural projects coming up that are, are closer to that, that I'm excited about. Um, so that, that'll be in the spring and in the summer doing a illustrate. I'm doing some, uh, I'm doing a children's book. I'm illustrating a children's book for USD. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about that, but that that's the thing I'm working on. I, I'm waiting for a final draft sort of thing. So that'll be fun now that I read children's books every every single night with my daughter. I'm like invested. I see what works, what what doesn't. I'm taking notes. Kitties. Kitties work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kitty. And and just keep her off YouTube, right? Oh, yeah. We don't do screen time. We're doing no screen no time. No screen time. Yeah. Or at least at home. She sees, she, you know, she's, oh, she's 18 months, 18 months. Yeah. Let's talk in a year. And let's see if you're still doing no screen time. Yeah. yeah it's easy to do no screen time right now. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. She can't speak that, but she can't string together a sentence. I so know when okay. my, when my uh, oldest was, was really young, we knocked out a lot of the, uh, sequel movies so ah. when she was too young to know what was going on i watched all the rockies with her i watched all the star wars with her so screen time for me went up when i had a, a kid that needed some cuddle time but no, listen i'm 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 excited to start watching so we might try to start watching some of the holiday like rankin bass things yes this month and see see if she can be interested in that um i'm uh, as far as other stuff i'm doing yeah i mean i just want to keep doing that i think i'm at this like stage in my career professionally where i'm trying to you know, half I'm 
stepping on to that next step right now. And uh-huh. so I'm, I'd like to do more placemaking stuff. I'd like to work with communities more uh, on kind of long-term projects, you know, whether those are slowing down traffic or reimagining spaces or, or working on whatever that might be. Um, but I'm really passionate about South Dakota and, and uh, these, these sort of towns and spaces that we kind of work in. So. Yeah. I'm curious if you've ever thought about leaving here. No, I've thought about it in the sense that, you know, you have to think about it really. If you like, I, I interviewed, I had a, you know, a phone interview for a job that would have been in Dallas, but I was like, I'm not moving to Dallas. Like I I can't move to Dallas. Like that is such a world away. And I I feel, you know, I feel like a responsibility to, to the place I'm at. Obviously, I mean, everyone loves the place where they kind of grew up for the most part. Well, some people hate the place they grew up. I shouldn't say that. And that's why they, a lot of times they move, <laughs> don't come back. I want Sioux Falls specifically to be a place that when my daughter grows up, she sees it as a place that she can stay if she wants to, you know, that it is, is cool. It's viable. Yeah. It has the things it has, it has the things that Portland or Austin or, or, or any of these places has. I feel like for a long time, a lot of people who were college age were looking at Minneapolis as that place that, you know, I'm going to escape. Sioux Falls or when South Dakota. I, when I was in high school, that's where, that's where I was like, oh, move to Minneapolis. That's yeah. like a cool city, you know? Yeah. But now I feel like Sioux Falls is starting to get some of that with the Levitt Shell and some of the other things that's happening that makes it cool. Yeah. What, 10, 11 breweries popping up in a short amount more of time. On the way, yeah. More on the way. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, and that's, and that's the other big thing. I mean, selfishly, like that's, I love being at a city that's at the stage Sioux Falls is at right now, which I always say is like it's cultural infancy. Yeah. So you can very much influence kind of big changes and make things happen as one person, you know, whereas if I was, you know, if I was in Austin, forget it, you know, that would take years and years and also probably money. It's kind of funny too, how, because of how starved the area has been for some entertainment and attractions, how some of those things have become such huge hits. You know, you look at the Levitt Shell and there's putting up record numbers there because there's not a lot of other alternatives. You look at Garth Brooks coming to Sioux Falls and them doing like seven or eight sellout shows. This 2017 Sioux Falls Economic Development Plan. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, country music uh, seems to do pretty well in that town. That Halloween I went as Garth Brooks and I almost had a a name tag that said Sioux Falls' Economic Development Plan. (laughs) How can people keep in touch with what you're working on? Oh, man. uh, Facebook. Facebook and Instagram. They can find me on there. Uh, Zach DeBoer. Hello, I'm Zach. There's some underscores there. You'll find me. I'm getting back. I'm working on a new website right now, which is, you know, my other thing. You know, I'm I'm 30, but I would say I'm an old 30 in the sense that I like, you know, I don't have Snapchat. I, I, I barely understand how to use my Instagram story. I definitely don't know how to like add pictures or words or filters to it. So that's oh, where come I, on. That's you where can I'm handle at. that. You just haven't uh, spent the time. I know. That's yeah. the thing. I just don't, don't care. want to, but I know <laughs> I have to. It's just like. <laughs> Instagram stories is so hot right now. I know. So I went and to now Facebook stories. I went to Austria a, a few weeks ago and, and I was like, I, I had to uh, like document it in some way or like it prove here's a thing I did. Everybody hire me for work. Right. I'm still relevant. <laughs> exactly. Which I'm just don't like, forget me. Oh, I hate it. It's gross. I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, I don't want to be this guy, but yeah. So I, I'm like well, go the Banksy route and do, and what? Just and just be like so obscure things. that uh, people are craving more. Uh, I mean, honestly, that would be great. Okay. I mean, that's, that's where, you know, once you see me fade from light, that's, that's what's happened. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you are Banksy. Yeah. Well, Zach, thanks so much for coming in and look him up online. And I can't wait to have you back in Yankton. We've got some more projects. I think you can Let's help do it. Let's us do a flag. Do, so. A Yankton flag. I'll help you out. All right. Sounds good. And if you need a flag, hit up Zach on Facebook. Get at me. 
We'll be back next week with another episode of The Landry.